0: Welcome to Courageous Conversations, with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm here with the Jeff Timmons, one of my favorite human beings in the world of not just music, not just all things 98 degrees, not just an award-nominated, an award-winning uh, creative genius, uh, but this guy is one of the most incredible, heartfelt energies I've ever met in the world. Um, He's friendly. He's happy. He's connected. He's a family man. He's a creative man. Hey man, you're right here with me. So Jeff, so good to see you.
2: Richard, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Congrats to you. I mean, I've seen uh, seen all of the, the work that you've done online and, and how uh, productive these are as well. And, uh, and you're diversified and continue to have a million things going on and a ton of success. And the, thanks for having me. I appreciate the forum and the opportunity. And I've never been uh, considered a cre- creative genius. You're the first person to say that, but I'll take it. I'll take what I can get, man. Thank you. Well,
1: yeah, and set the expectations high and it's up to you to live up to them. That's what I think. That's figured. right. Get the ceiling up there. We'll try to
2: but, but, break through it.
1: But man, you know, so so true a form of just how generous and heartfelt you are. I mean, you are truly a real deal. Not easy to find in not just the creative world, not just the music world, but in the, the Hollywood world, the world of creative and the world of generating new productions of all kinds. I mean, for a lot of people who are watching you, there's a, a hundred different ways to introduce you. I chose one which was personal for me. But how would you introduce yourself? Who who is Jeff Timmons?
2: Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest, from Ohio, so I come from a blue collar family. My dad was an executive that always worked worked his his way up in his business and became a very very top level executive out of the blue collar into white collar stuff, and and was vice president of business. And at that same time, we have that those Midwestern work ethic values and 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 the sort of the morals that kind of lose getting into the entertainment business. Uh, and you know, you know that this business consists of very very high highs and extremely low lows and everything in between. And throughout the course of the 30 years I've been blessed to be in this business, I've experienced all of those things and tried to learn as much from those experiences as possible. And I think that that's kind of led me up to some of the diversification that's taking place now in my career, some of the opportunities that I'm affording other artists and creatives and business people. And, uh, you know, although it was tough and it's been a grind. You know, I think that that Midwestern work ethic has enabled me to persevere. And at the same time, you know, I've got great parents, great family, uh, and and trying to stay grounded and true to myself throughout that process has really helped me, you know, continue uh, to have success and and to you know create a- other opportunities, not only for myself, but for other people, which is it's been a fun ride. It's been like a dream for me.
1: Hey, man, I mean, if there was ever a battle cry that was needed, if there was ever a motto on a fly that you needed to wave. Uh, the terms are tough and grounded would definitely be of them um, because you're both. I mean, uh, taking you to the time where um, you were the creative force and you were the catalyst uh, behind the formation of 98 Degrees, um, some would consider one of the 90s uh, into the early 2000s greatest boy band um, for, for you. W- where did that come from? Where did the idea of really doing it on your own and independent, by the way, of any other, boy band makers and creators. You guys did it by yourself and and, and and by design and your design. Where did that come from?
2: Well, look, I appreciate you knowing that. And I kind of fell into it. I come from a very small town in Ohio. It's known as a football town. I mean, there was a documentary that won a bunch of awards in the film festivals about how crazy my town is about football. So it was all football for me growing up, but I was always drawn to the arts. I mean, that, that was easier for me. It came easier, but it wasn't as cool. So I wanted to be a football player and transferred to this school and this college and this one. It just didn't work out. And I kept getting, you know, pulled back into the arts. And I wish it was some master formula that I created to start 98 degrees. But it was as simple as a, as being at a party. Some girls asked us to sing. We were trying to be cool. I happened to know being a lot of barbershop quartets and boys to men was prevalent at the time. And they were, there was nothing like them and their harmonies. So I knew some of these arrangements. We went in a bathroom, parted out all the harmonies, went out and sang for them. And ignorance is bliss. We thought we were amazing. We got their attention. So the very next day, I was on the cusp of graduating finally. I called my parents and I said, hey, look, I just feel something strong about this opportunity. This is this is something that's pulling me in in that direction. They'd always been a fan of my music and, and my theater background and all that stuff. So they encouraged me, believe it or not. My dad was always a real stickler about graduating college. And back then you had none of these forums. You didn't have Zoom. You didn't have the Internet, really. You didn't have uh, you know Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook to get your, get your stuff out there. There was no American Idol. So you had to go to where the scene was. And for us, it was, you know, L.A. or New York at that particular time. We drove to L.A. and, uh, you know, started singing everywhere we could. Um, got some some a little bit of notoriety local locally here in L.A., um, started getting in, in the rooms with, you know, Michael Jackson's manager, Denise Parker at gallon and Mori, and, you know, labels and all this stuff. And then the guys I was with, they quit. They, they got, they got cold feet. I mean, it was becoming too real, too fast. And, you know, we're from a small town. So, you know, I think that they thought that we were you little fish in a big pond, which we were. And uh, they went back to our town of Maslin in Ohio. And I stayed out here in LA, got an odd job, put, put uh, ads in newspapers and all the the local area entertainment publications and interviewed guys. And it wasn't until I met a guy that went to school with Nick uh, Lachey, who played me a tape for Nick. And I didn't even get to see him. I couldn't Google his, what he looked like or get on his you know social media. I just talked to him on the phone. I said, look, I've got these opportunities potentially with Jane Brown and Michael Jackson. And I kind of convinced him to make to migrate across country to L.A. He brought his brother out. Justin came out, went to school with them, and eventually that became 98 Degrees. We modeled ourselves off of Boys to Men, so Boys to Men got dis- discovered singing backstage. So we bought tickets, we scrounged up all of our money, bought tickets to a boys to Men concert, snuck backstage, and got discovered by uh, Montel Jordan, who was opening up his road manager, and and then eventually, just like they did, got signed to Motown. So it was like a it was like a dream and kind of seen in, into fruition. And you couldn't write a better script. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't believe it. But uh, after that, we kind of just got on the road, put music out and mm-hmm. got upstream to Universal Music, who really backed us, had some great executives there behind us at the time. Uh, Monty Lippman was a great one. He's still around. And George Jackson and the staff. It took a little convincing uh, that we were in the same sort of demographic as Backstreet and Insync. They wanted to make us a really urban group. Uh, but, uh, eventually we broke and, uh, had a little bit of success and our, you know, the rest is, has sort of been history, so to speak. It's been, it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride. Amazing ride.
1: But, you know, before I just asked the question that just bubbled up to the surface out of your enthusiastic recount of your history, which just feels like yesterday, I have to admit, it feels like yesterday. Um, I have to just underscore your, your love, your respect and admiration for your parents and, and the role they played. And it, and just because I know you a little bit, Um, and I'm so grateful and blessed to, to call you at least a a colleague, if not a friend. Um, it probably says a lot of why and how you're such a great parent, um, that you come from great parents. And I just want to just under underline that part that you, it sounds like you had such great support from mom and dad, um, in spite of his academic aspirations for you, or or at least his qualification, at least, at least graduate. Um, but man, I just got to just underscore that so great to hear how great your parents were in, in your
0: pursuits.
2: Yeah, they were instrumental in 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 getting behind me, which I didn't expect. Right? I mean, calling them at you know twelve o'clock at night from a, a, do- a dorm party and telling them I'm dropping out of school after they've after they supported me in that respect for you know so many years. Uh, but they they said, hey, look, you know, my dad said, hey, you know what, Jeff, go out there. You can always go back to school, but you're you know you can't always pursue this really lofty goal that you have. So they he, they they were a great uh, source of encouragement for me. And yeah, absolutely. And and the way they raised us—I mean, we had everything as kids. I mean, they—you know—we were spoiled, but they also made sure that we treated people with respect, um, made sure that we represented ourselves and our family with integrity. And all of those things are, are applications uh, for what we do, you know, in this business because it is a, a business filled with sharks and 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 people that you know don't might not necessarily have the talent of. Uh, getting out there and performing, but have a talent and you know, there are a lot of grifters in the business and things of that nature. So what we wanted to do was sort of, uh, you know, bring some real realness to the industry and hopefully, and look, I'd love to think I'm one of the most talented guys in the world, but certainly it's a competitive landscape out there in entertainment. But I think that the reason that not only myself, but my group has been able to stay around for three decades is because we've we made great relationships, real relationships, not just relationships you have to gain something other than having friendship, legitimately caring about folks in the industry and what they're going through, calling them up, not for a favor, not to play my song or not to give me a spot on a television show, but just, hey, how are you? And I think that that all stems from from the way we were raised, all four of us.
1: Well, that just goes to show to the, to the, to the, the gravity of the question I had, which was really a continuation of understanding how you just stuck to your guns, if it were. You know, you say this word realness, which some could actually probably consider that being, uh, genuine, being authentic, uh, being from middle America, if it were, uh, being tough and grounded. But, but how tough was it for you to withstand the temptation of having a style drift, uh, where people were probably getting in your ear? And trying to influence uh, your vision for the group, your manifested uh, creative, if it were, to say, well, rather than going that way, why don't we go this way? Why don't we become more urban? How were you able to withstand the temptation of not having people say left rather than following your gut that said right?
2: Well, that's an excellent question because we had to we had to really kind of stand our ground. When we got signed to Motown, Motown at that time, you know, it's historically known as amazing breeding ground for talent uh you know you, you there's tons of do- there are tons of documentaries out there about the motown you know producers getting together family like atmosphere but when we when we were signed there they were really leaning urban so they wanted us to be really urban in fact i mean they wanted to move us to a bad part of ha- harlem so we would get some flavor enjoy the church choir and and while all that uh, all those experiences we were good for us it really wasn't us or what we're from or where we're from or what our backgrounds are or the style of music that we wanted to portray, although we're, we're heavily influenced by all genres, we're a pop group. I mean, we're a pop R&B group, a vocal group that was styled after uh, the essence of Boys II Men and all those great acts throughout the years, like the Temptations and the Four Tops and other doo-wop groups and even classic rock groups that had a lot of harmony. So for us to lean super urban and, and, and for us to come out as street, it wasn't legit. And it took the label you know, a good, you know, year or two (laughs) to, to realize that's just not going to work. These guys aren't cool no matter what. So like, let them do what they want to do. And thankfully this guy, George Jackson came in and sadly he passed away years ago, but he came in and saw what, what we are. And he's like, look, we're going to just let you guys go be what you are. We're going to actually put your picture on the, on the CD and, and, and on on signage and actually put you on MTV and not, and not try to trick people into thinking you're an urban group. And, and, you know, look when we, we kind of, uh, stood our ground so to speak with the label it was a it was a kind of a, a, a trepidatious and scary part of our lives and we thought we we're gonna get dropped and that was gonna be it um yeah. thankfully we had some support from the people that so you know, had logical sense and great experience with success in the business and they just let us go out there and do our thing the way we wanted to do it so we were fortunate that doesn't really happen nowadays if you don't hit right away you're done there's it's so competitive but uh we were fortunate enough to have some people give us a second chance
1: well, you know, speaking and that, you didn't need, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you stuck to your guns, you were the catalyst behind the group, you brought people together. Um, and, you know, based on some of the conversations I've had, some of the social circumstances I found myself in uh, with you in the room, I've had a chance of talking about you behind your back. And what's <laughs> amazing, what's amazing is everyone says the same thing. And not just about the group, but particularly about you, that who you were growing up, as really the ringleader in bringing 98 degrees to the forefront of of every radio station, um, you know, dance hall, and if not uh, to the ears, if it were, of the young, uh, you've not changed. You you are exactly the same guy you were at the beginning as you are now. Uh, yes, older and wiser, and of course, with a very different array of accomplishments, uh, starting with family nominations and awards, uh, and a great reputation. But, but what I'd love to just point out is how consistently true to who you've always been has remained. How hard is that to do in show business overall, given all the people you've collaborated with and you've seen that started from the bottom and now they're here and they started out of uh, obscurity and now they're a somebody. How how hard is it to remain you in pursuing those dreams and aspirations in the world of show business the way you have?
2: Well, well first of all, I'm thankful that that that's the word out there, right? That, that I have that sort of reputation. I mean, I kind of pride myself on my word, and my reputation, and and certainly, hopefully, being a personal personable person that cares about other people's success. Um, so I'm thrilled that, that that you've heard that. But as far as staying true to myself, I, I don't think we would have been able to do it had we not seen the proof in the model, right? So we we stayed true to ourselves. We didn't become an urban group. We didn't go super r and and street. And then we saw what the results were that what what resulted from that and that was worldwide success right and selling a lot of records so any of those times and those temptations are always there you know as you know throughout the years you know when you're in the business this long you know, there are temptations to re- you. People always say reinvent. That's a big buzzword. You re- rebrand, you know, and and there are certain truths to that. Taking new experiences and new networks and sort of applying, you know, some of the s- successful uh, methodology to those different genres is true. But reinventing yourself to be something you're not, um, we kind of shy away from that. You know, I, I think that that you know, is a short, that's a short lived lifespan. You can take the the low hanging fruit and do something for a quick paycheck or, you know, to, for a quick press hit to make yourself relevant. But for us, it's always been a long-term thing. It's long-term vision, long-term goal, patience, self-belief, trust, faith, uh, all of those things kind of come into play uh, when you do anything, not just entertainment. It just se- seems super accelerated in entertainment because, you know, there's always someone looking over your shoulder or always the next hot thing. But it's with any business, I think you got to apply that.
1: <clears throat> no, and I, and I agree, and I love that you brought up that word reinventing. I mean, just before we discussed uh, this conversation and interview uh, approach, we 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 talked about the fact that reinvention is a bit different from recreation, and and the fact of of, of the juncture in which we're now ha- arriving in this conversation. I want to spend more time about just where you are now and where you're heading because I get really excited about it. I mean, a- anyone can Google research and look up the history of of who you are, where you've been and what 90 Degrees has accomplished. And all those are wonderful accolades. But what attracts me to having a dialogue with you is is the creative force you are and talking about the places in which you've applied your creativity. We're going to get to that. So in in the spirit of recreating yourself, what's exciting you most right now about show business that you're finding yourself being called to or gravitating towards? Um, as a professional, uh, and some of I may dare say, uh, is a pioneer in the space—a term you—a term you get to earn only after a number of years of being at the top. Uh, but tell you're
2: me, you're using some amazing words, man, and and certainly I'm humbled. I'm humbled, been thrilled that you you know think those apply to myself and my career and, and the things I'm doing with other folks. But um, you know, look, look, it's it's a great time right now. It's exciting to me that you have so many forums to release content and, and cater to your fans and create new fan bases. I mean, this technology, I can't imagine if we had it when we were younger, but I also can't imagine if we had it when we were younger, it might've been too much for us that, you know, as we were going through the growth and trying to, trying to take all this stimulus in it and, and the ups and downs and the people surrounding us in the business. I don't know if we, you know, we're pretty level headed guys. We're all from Ohio, but I don't know if we had all these things at our disposal, if we would have made all the right decisions. Right. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go then behind the scenes for several years, watch other people make a bunch of mistakes utilizing all these forms and go, okay, this is how you can use this. And what's interesting to me is, you know, not only the technology that's available to create new things and let people identify with you in different ways other than they know you for. But there have been other pioneers, so to speak, that have, have diversified themselves and let you know, you don't just have to be a singer or a rapper. You can also be an entrepreneur that invests in clothing lines or a filmmaker or create television shows or a music supervisor or a consultant. <laughs> Uh, or getting into tech yourself, diversifying yourself, uh, and there have been p- leaders out there in the business that have transcended, like the you know Jay Z's of the world. And I know Kanye gets a bad rap, but he's a brilliant guy. And Ryan Seacrest is all over the place, doing many many different things, producing sheep TV shows behind the scenes as much as he is up front. And because of these mediums that exist, people go, oh, yeah, these are not just one trick ponies. These are guys that are out there hustling, using their business acumen, their instincts and their experience to have success in different areas.
1: Well, and there's other examples, too, of of those who do, in fact, truly reinvent themselves. I mean, the one that comes to mind as you're citing some really great legendary and iconic hip hop artists like the Jay-Z's of the world. Uh, I mean, Sean Puffy Combs is more a businessman than he is an artist, Um, that's the way I experience him or, or Russell Simmons, who's now uh, a yogi. I mean, he's really, truly in, in a spiritual gangster, uh, who was the former founder of Def Jam records. And, and so there is such a thing as hitting a different stage that creates a different state that then produces a different science for people where the way the world experiences them is well, quite different, but, but for you, it just feels that the speed in which you're moving at and the. The utility that you've become in the world of, of show business. And I just use it loosely because show business involves now, uh, you know, short film, documentary, uh, biopics, uh, film, uh, television series, and of course, music and the like. In that, in that ecosystem, what is now getting a lot more of your attention, love and energy, Jeff?
2: Well, I like the the ability for the fan engagement. For us, it, it was always fan engagement. We weren't as big as although we're mentioned in the same breath as Backstreet and In Sync, and thank God, you know, because they're 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 legends and and worldwide phenomenons and still uh, are today. I mean, we we're thrilled to be at in that lane with them. We didn't sell as many albums as they did. Uh, we didn't have quite the same machine uh, that they did. So I think that you know. What we learned, the bread and butter for us was always the secondary markets, the tertiary markets, not necessarily. And we were big in the big markets, but the, those other markets, like the Evansvilles and the Poughkeepsies and some some of the smaller markets, we would go in there and and just treat the fans as if they were the same in each city, right? And those those became you know uh, sort of uh, the groundswell of support for 98 degrees, because again, no social media, so that we and we were all into grassroots. So the fan engagement stuffs very attractive to me. And I think that, you know, our meet and greets, uh, we do as well with meet and greets as we do with, if not more, the, the personal stuff than we do with tickets. Right. And, and we do pretty well there. So, you know, I think that, you know, the the tools like this and, you know, there are versions of Patreon out there where you can gauge and monetize content, and be one on one with fans and do f- experiential things like cruises and all of those things excite me w- with regards to, you know, kind of furthering our career on the music side of things and then just technology in general. You know, being able to create content, short form content. I mean YouTube shorts are now a big thing. TikTok's massive. And, you know, getting getting the data on your fans so you can curate your your music to appeal more to your fan base that that you know has a thirst for what you're doing. I mean technology is probably as exciting as getting up on stage if not more. You know, I, I've been trying to trying to get behind the scenes for years and years and years. Uh because there's always that that sort of uh, you know, funny thing that I get nervous before everything I do. I get nervous before a podcast. I get nervous before performing for three people or three million people. So there's always that nerve, the, the, you know, the factor with me that I'm like, I just want to be behind the scenes. But I get a thorough enjoyment out of performing, but I'm really interested in fascinating, utilizing all the tools that are out there to give somebody else a chance, and give them a chance to be creative and get better as a creator myself.
1: No, and I, First of all, I love that you had admitted that uh, you, you, you get nervous uh, for me uh, three people uh, or three million people. I mean, that's 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 again back to you being being real. That's your that's a part of your realness. And and I, I want to talk more about the fan engagement. But but before I do, I want to just go back to a statement you made, which was a very insightful one into just maybe your the entrepreneurial side of you as an artist. You, you mentioned that you know you weren't as big as commercially as in sync and Backstreet Boys. Now, if if let's just say that. Based on the way in which you measure that to be true, whether it's album sales and tickets sold, or or fan engagement, if there was such a tool, then to in fact um, understand that, what made them different as as a marketing machine? What what were they doing that you feel that maybe you weren't doing? Just talking business, talking shop, because the sounds were similar. They were both incredible, and right now with mixtape tours and and, and throwback to the 90s. I mean, you guys are on the same stage inside the same genre of music. So what did they do that you guys didn't do?
2: Well, a couple of things. One, they, they were marketed a lot more. So, you know, they had they had to start on us. We came out at the same time as Backstreet, but again, Motown thought it would be a, a good idea. And, and certainly, you know, it was a philosophy of theirs and a, and a marketing strategy to not put us on magazines and not put us on the CDs, So not put our imagery out there. So people didn't know what we look like for one. So as you know, it's, it's image first, right? It's being out there images first, right? People see you first. That's what they look like, look at. So they look at to see what you look like first, then it's, uh, you know, marketing, right. And promotion. And then it's, you know, talents in there somewhere, a little down the line, unfortunately too far, And then work ethic sort of supersedes and falls before talent, right? So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, we worked really hard. They obviously went on TRL and had big, giant displays in stores. Meanwhile, we're rifling through trying to, oh, here's our CD and buying our own in the beginning. So they had a little head start on us marketing-wise, I think. And then another really weird factor about it that people wouldn't necessarily think about is they had a lot of up-tempo songs and they danced. Right. So there was an entertainment factor on the dancing side that was a little bit more engaging. So, uh, you know, these dance songs, they're obviously radio stations like to pay tempo. So they had more spins. Although, again, we we were like at a half a billion streams now, many years later. So we we did not have success, but not to the level that they did. They danced and and had tempo music that you could play in clubs. We had ballads. So we had a bunch of ballads. You can't really go into the club and DJ's not going to spin Invisible Man or My Everything or The Hardest Thing or something like that. So I think those two factors are the main ones.
1: If, if you were able to make a, a course adjustment for yourself in the band, is there any particular one, if any at all, that stand out for you that you would have corrected or, or had gone left rather than right?
2: I'm one of those super positive guys that says I won't, won't wouldn't change anything for the world. I mean, I think that you know, look, we we did trial and error, like on our our third studio album, we tried to put more dance music on there to to try to cater to that crowd, and our fans weren't having it. They're like, no, no, you're the love song guys. You guys are the guys that just kind of croon, and so you can overthink it, right? So I I, I don't I know it's kind of probably a can't answer that people think that I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't I wouldn't even change. Our first experience with Motown and them trying to market us in a different way that didn't sort of suit the group because the experience taught me so much uh, about what not to do. Right. So working with artists now, I might say, oh, this could make you more pop. But I'm like, that's not you. You can't do it. Let's find a way to market you the way you are. So um, there aren't there aren't many things I'd change. I think maybe, you know, if in hindsight, we would have more fun because it was so competitive and we're type A's and we, you know, we're about work, work, work. And throughout that process, you get to do all of these cool things, go all over the world and jets and fans and have music on the radio and videos and all this amazing stuff that 1% of the population or less get to do. And here we were, we're not probably enjoying it as much as we could because we're like, all right, what's next? Where do we need to be next? Uh, we need to do this better. So I think, you know, now and now that we've had a resurgence since I want to say twenty thirteen, about 10 years we've been back um, we, that's all we do is have fun. We, we, obviously we, we care about the product. We make sure that our staging and our show is great and we're having a good experience with the fans, but we're having a blast and, and we're like, man, we should have done this, uh, the first time around, you know? So that's one thing, probably one thing I would change.
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm glad you just said that right at the tail end is, 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 is the having fun part. Cause I can only imagine that, you know, getting it right, being effective and making mom and dad proud and, and not being uh, wrong and, and not failing. And, and, and feeling forward and making sure you're always getting up are all parts of the process and the journey. Uh, but I do want to point something out that, uh, after doing some research, there was a really cool quote and, uh, it didn't say who it was from, but, but, uh, this young individual had said that, uh, when 98 degrees songs would arrive, when that music was played, that was when the magic would happen. And and what, what it implied was it was at the part of a night or a party, a house party, or just actually a, a dance, uh, environment, or even a club. Where when, when your song played, that was when the magic would happen. And so, you know, you got to know that likely the resurgence of of not just a love affair for you guys, which has never died out and has never really dissipated, it's just sign of the times, has returned because there's a mad respect for all of you. Um, just indicative of that is just the way you take care of yourself and how energized you are. I've watched you in a room. I've seen you uh, collaborate and shake hands and kiss babies, if it were, uh, as if you were running for governor. I mean, I mean, heck... You're someone who's very personable. So looking forward to fan engagement as the new playing field with technology as your friend, and, and of course, uh, we're older and wiser, more connected now than ever before. Uh, what are what are some of the areas that you'd really like to apply some of your creative juices to? Uh, I know I've asked that question earlier, but I'm asking it differently because knowing that you've been involved in, in, in film and television productions in various ways and in various uh, degrees... Uh, no pun intended, there's so much creative force found in your energy and found in your fervor, which is likely connected to your work ethic and that realness factor. Um, what are some of your dreams and aspirations, if I dare ask that, for for the next 10, 15 years of, of you know Jeff Timmons uh, 2.0, if it were?
2: Well, look, that's a great question. I mean, the, the list is long. <laughs> you know, look, I, I love being in the studio, right? So, what you know, the tough part about being in the recording studio for groups like ours is everybody thought we were packaged. They thought we were put together, and they thought everybody wrote our songs, and we don't know how to get around in the studio, and a lot of people think we you lip sync. So, you know, dispelling the myth that I can actually produce and write songs has, has been a journey. <laughs> you know, so so finally people are allowing me to compose things for soundtracks and for TV series, I mean, I did the whole me- whole season of music for a TV series. But that's exciting to me. That's my favorite thing to do. But I think a close second is breaking other artists. Giving other people um, a runway and a forum uh, that they can, they, they can break and enjoy their own creative experience and become popular and have their own fan bases. That's very attractive to me uh, because I love music, right? And I love different genres of music and I love creative. So, you know, it's really sort of the exciting thing for me is aligning big, powerful brands that have massive fan bases uh, that are interested in music with really talented people that they can fast track, right? They can get into a pipeline where they're immediately exposed to people that will love their their music and their style, put them on tours uh, right away and give them an opportunity to sort of not have to go through the grind. So there is no matter how fast you fast track people, you're always going to have your low lows no matter what. Right? And you're going to have to have those lumps and, and take those lumps and and go through the experiences. But I'm trying to circumvent all the low lows, right? If they if they don't have to make mistakes, I'm there to to sort of consult them and help them and guide them along the way. And, and hopefully they can see their own vision uh, coming to fruition for themselves and their art. So that's very attractive to me. And I've always been a fan of being behind the scenes on television projects and write them. I do all kinds of stuff just because... You know, (laughs) you talked about energy. I have a lot of it, uh, and and I don't sleep sleep that much. Unfortunately, I don't advise that. But um, you know, I'm always trying to do something for myself and my soul creatively, something different. And and the goal is to be successful at all of it. And people will in the past would say, "Well, you can't do everything." And, And then, but now we have people that show you you can do everything as long as you put the effort and the heart into it. The quality of work is there, and the very important thing that you touched on before which we accrue and acquire throughout our years that we're lucky to stay in the business are those relationships of people that can give you those opportunities, open those doors for you, and that trust factor that they have with you from knowing you so long that you're not going to put their name out there and do them a disservice.
1: Well, that's the thing about you know Jeff Timmons 2.0. When you think about a Jeff Timmons 2.0, you're thinking about leveraging that relational equity, being able to lean into those relationships you've had for a long time, be able to tap in that re- a reputational equity that you've got, that's been building for years now. I mean, 30 plus years to be exact. But what I love is, is as a musical creator, you're, you're really a great creative force that really has been a poster child of what creative collaboration looks like. So you're right. I think TV production, uh, the world of digital production, the world of film production, they are in desperate need of music. Uh, it's amazing to think of how much money goes into music production. So having someone like you as really their chief musical advisor is a, a very smart place. I, I love that you said breaking out other artists, because when you think about mentoring some of these young creative minds, it, the landscapes are different as we've been touching on technology, YouTube, uh, social media, uh, utilities, and even just the way fans engage and people follow and befriend you uh, is really important. But what I love is that you know I see you as not someone who's going to be able to just mentor them to cut off people, but to find the shortcuts for people. And and that's a big one. So that's where I think the acceleration comes where you'd be like, not just an incubator, but an accelerator of great talent that knows it's got it, and is willing to put in the hard work and follow the great wisdom, if I dare say of, of, you know, of Jeff Timmons, what he's done and and what turns not to take. Does that all encapsulate much of what you just said?
2: Well, again, appreciate the kind words. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I think the thing for me is it's about team. It's about assembling a team, too. So outside of maybe getting an opportunity to get on a big tour right away, get some exposure, um, it's assembling the team. For us, for years and years and years, we didn't have the right team and so it's it's essential yeah and you can't do it by yourself a lot of these guys will say oh i did it all by themselves there's no way there's either they either have a good spouse or partner that's behind them helping them and giving them the confidence and support that they need a good manager a good a good agent or a combination of all those things right and those those things that's the hardest thing mind, right you out there hustle, and you can't work and you have good music and you can have an opportunity with media but if you don't have a good team uh, you're done you' you're not going you know you're not going to have success either financially spiritually emotionally professionally I mean the list goes on and on so the team things is very important to me to to sort of when I'm when I'm kind of advising or mentoring people or just you know when they ask me for advice um I kind of say that's essential right And people are like oh'm I'm, I'm good I, I can handle it but if you don't have representing presenting is an extension of you, And your philosophy and representing you when you're not in the room in the proper way, it can ruin your career. Uh, And then getting back to the social and digital aspects of what you're talking about, these forums that are so brilliant and amazing like TikTok and YouTube and all that, those are breeding celebrities, but they're not really breeding stars, So you can make a ton of money getting a billion views on YouTube, but you might not sell any tickets when you go out and perform. So one of the things that's been really important to me, and again, it's all based on experience. It's not because of cosmic brilliance, it's because we went out there and did cheerleading camps and you know, did all the radio shows and went to malls and performed in malls. There's a grassroots aspect that's missing right now from the entertainment industry that's essential to breaking stars. And that's getting out there and performing in front of people, whether it's a small crowd, medium crowd, almost no crowd. There's something about people getting to see you live that it doesn't really happen with some of these bigger YouTube stars or, or TikTok stars. And again, they are making a ton of money. So if that's all that they want to do, that's there. And it's a brilliant, brilliant asset to have to, to cultivate success financially. But if you're trying to be a star or you're trying to go out there and be someone that tours and gets on the stage with a huge band and pyro and, you know, goes on all the talk shows, you know, you have to transcend the digital forum. And go out there and let fans see you in person. Let them touch you. Let them talk to you. And that's how you grow a, a true loyal fan base throughout the years. And you kind of see that waning with uh with the with the onset and how prevalent social media is.
1: I, I gotta say that you know I feel like in the in the closing minutes that we've got because I promise I wouldn't take up much more of your time, but I'm so I'm, I'm so much having a great time with you. But you're touching on a bit of the. Existential dilemma, the existential conundrum of what it means to be a star. And and if I dare dive deep just for a few short moments with you, because I, I can it, sense this, time. I can sense this in you that just because you're a celebrity in the world of all things digital, he, I, I'm gonna say something very daring and only because you're my friend, uh, and only friends would be watching our interview, is that you yourself don't have the experience, the 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 total experience of generating stardom and generating stardom is beyond just this one-dimensional experience of being on a screen it includes uh smelling the smoke like your fans do you know getting the the, the sizzle of the, of your skin from the pyro because it's firing off at the same time it's there's such a multi-dimensional experience of both creating stardom but generating a star-lit experience for your fans and I think there's a staying power that comes with stars born the old-fashioned way if i may dare say that versus the digital way um so did i hear you correctly would you align with that thinking
2: that's exactly what i'm talking about the the the, the intangibles you're you're talking about things experiential that you can't get by looking at this you know the screen it's it's two-dimensional you can be you can see people and technology is getting better but there's something to be said about being there in front of them and then you know if you are A talented person that has something to give back there's an essence and an aura and an it factor so to speak that you can't get from from this experience no matter how good they get at it you know i mean uh, you're not going to get it until you're in front and feeling the energy and not only that as much as we think we're cool the fans feel the energy of create relationships with each other and those are bonds that are created because of your music right and you don't really get to do that I mean, you can chat with fans and get on Twitter and friend each other and all that stuff or FaceTime, all this other great stuff. But being in person and experiencing it together, we're having a lot of fans now many, many years later say they really enjoy being with their friends. If as much if not more without trying to insult us. And we're not because we're thrilled we were able to help them create that experience. And those things don't exist with socials. And, you know, look, people will say, Oh, this old guy's just being a hater. No, no. I love the fact that young people, older people, you don't have, there's no age limit that you have all these opportunities to, you know, be yourself and create content. And you don't have to necessarily fit into a box anymore. I'm thrilled that people and make money, make good money. I'm fi- I'm thrilled people could do that. But there is something to be different, and I think you know, use bringing back some of these old school uh, business models and applications. Uh, I think that that's going to help us sort of sort of bring st- stay power uh, with stars uh, in the future. At least that's my goal and hope.
1: No, but I get you though, Jeff. I mean, it's this is not a commercial debate; it's a philosophical one, and and, yeah. philo- and, and philosophy could remain open ended for centuries and millennia. But the reality is, is that when you look at the fact that we are all beings of energy, we're we're vibrating existences, just bouncing through life. Uh, you've got that energy. I embody some of that energy, and we create that energy for others you just can't create it in the four dimensions that could exist beyond a screen. So I, I get what you're saying. And the ripoff is, is that if you only limit your, 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 your experience of being a star and celebrity, just to the screen, you are ripping yourself off of the multi-dimensional experience of being one. And you're ripping off the world from experiencing fully you. And I think that's the unique conversation you bring is, is, is uh you know i miss the old instruments and and a synthesizer belongs somewhere and i'm sure drum machines are amazing but all of that being said there's something magical about magic there's something powerful about energy and and we all i think what you're you're saying is you truly are a great advocate for and an ambassador to that conversation
2: absolutely i mean there's nothing like the live experience and i and we touched upon earlier how i get nervous for everything but you know what? That th- those nerves wear off really quick when fans are screaming for you. That you're looking at them, you're looking into th- their eyes. You can feel what they're feeling and have a connection, personal connection with them uh, from the stage. And they're mouthing words to a song that you, you know, you, you, uh, you re- relentlessly and religiously were recording in the studio, take after take, trying to perfect. And there's a payoff that that exists there that you can't you can't get this way. So that's exactly right. And for the fans, they feel like they're part of your career too. Yeah. That connection's lost with with some of these things. But again, I, I like these are good commercials and and good opportunities for you to you know get your brands out there and generate cash and and be able to do fun stuff for a living, which is really really rewarding too. But the live aspect of it is is crucial, I think.
1: No, I love it. And speaking of crucial, I know we're down to our final moment, so I'll ask this last question. And it really plays off of your statement around, you know, assembling the right team. You, you know, you referenced uh, whether you have a wife or a husband or a lover or a partner and your friends and your family. These are all parts of your team. And I can only imagine having hung out with a lot of very talented people like you. Uh, sometimes when you say team, they think of friends and those they trust that are immediate, but it's beyond that circle. And I, I guess the term I would offer is it's a part of your commercial architecture, and your commercial architecture includes a manager and advisors and and professional colleagues, which I am to you as an example. Um, that architecture must be damn good for you because, like, just look at you. you. You're a great byproduct, a physical phenomenon. Where I mean, you're not washed up. You're not like, hey, rich. It's just good to be here. You're not <laughs> low energy. Like you're the same dude you've always been for as long as I've known of you. Uh, I haven't had the privilege of knowing you for your entire duration of your career. But I'm, I'm damn proud and blessed to know you for the next best part of your career. Um, tell me about the architecture that supports you. I know it's part T, but what are the most important parts of it that keeps you healthy, keeps you obviously fit, smiling, blessed, magical, uh, loving, accepting, uh, faithful? T- 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 tell me about that architecture.
2: Well, I think, look, experience is one thing, too. So had I not had all these bad experiences, I wouldn't have been able to hand handpick whoever's around me. And the team's small, right? And it might not be friends. And it might not be family. Because if you experience success, you might not change. Or even if you change for the better, there are always people around you that are close to you that are not going to. Because they're not going through your experiences. And they feel like they have a, a, a stamp or an inroad or, or a a claim to your fame and success and they might change that that's inevitable sadly so it's not necessarily friends and family but for me in my case it's my my wife my wife is a complete support system for me i i have weird hours i am a weird guy (laughs) you know and and she's all about it and she she supports me no matter what she was she you know look i went through some lean times and obviously we came and went we're back and and other things and uh, but my wife has always been there for me. So without that, I I don't think I could do anything. and then it's just finding people you trust. It could be one person, it could be a, a friend, uh, it could be a brain trust, it could be somebody that's ultra successful. And, you know, but it's really, really important and crucial to, to lean on other people. You have to have other people there for you. Even if it's a small team there, that you cannot do this stuff on your own. You know, it's, it's just too tough of, a, of an experience in business and taxing emotionally and mentally and uh, physically. So I think that those are really, really important factors. Getting that team together. Whether it's somebody that's in the industry hey, and that might not be the most popular manager. Oh, I got to get with this guy or this girl because they're super popular and look at their team and their roster. We've been with all those. And if you're not relevant and you're not number one at the top of the food chain, you don't get the attention. So it's really about people that care about you and your project as much as as much as much you do. And that's that's a hard thing to come by. And that's, that's really important. And then I think the rest of it is a lot of faith. Got to have a lot of faith. And good energy and positive thinking and gratitude. You got to get up and be thankful no matter if you're having a terrible day and things, you know, topple and and kind of fall upon themselves on you. Got to find a way to be thankful that day. So, you know, I do a lot of writing and writing down what I'm grateful for every day I journal. I mean, a lot of people would think that's corny, but I think it's essential to, you know, clear your mind look at the words on the paper, the the KT, the kinesthetic tactual part of writing down, being thankful, puts it in your body sometimes and can change your physiology. So your energy's good. I feel like it's really important when people interact with you for you to have a good vibe, right? They can feel it. And so I think those things are really, really important. And then physically taking care of yourself, right? You got to have, got to take care of yourself, uh, to be able to do this grind because the hours are weird and long and strange and and so you got to seize the opportunity in order to do that. You have to feel good. So I really, I can't thank you enough for having me uh, on here. Just brilliant questions. You are really, really kind with, with the words and monikers, probably more, more than I deserve, but I'm humbled by the experience, Richard. And I'm so thankful I got an opportunity to meet you and uh, I hope that we can stay in touch and do more things together. I really, mm. really am thankful for the interview. You're so good at this. It's great.
1: Oh man, I appreciate that. Those kind words. They're all true. I, I won't correct you on any of them. Um, but I'll tell you the truth. It's easy to be effective in a conversation with someone you admire. It's really easy to truly um, appreciate someone's music, but know the man behind it is just equally as magical. Um, I've been, as you know, very committed to this next chapter in your life. This conversation is just the beginning. It marks the beginning of a new chapter for me as I relate to you. Uh, so thank you for trusting me. Thank you for for leaning in, uh, trusting your heart, uh, trusting my words, and having us here to, to mark the occasion called uh, let's get epic. So uh, so, so, Jeff, listen, uh, grateful for your time, grateful for your friendship. And more importantly, I'm so excited to see what comes next for you because I'm, I'm sure it's going to be nothing short from the lightning bolt you always are uh, and always can be counted on being. So uh, so grateful to you. God bless the family, uh, the wife, and everyone else that gives up a piece of you to be with someone like me uh, today. I'm grateful for that.
2: I'm so appreciative of this, Richard. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And this made my day. And it's just starting. So I appreciate the energy the vibe. Thank you. Remember, man. Be well, bud. Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning into Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode and remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.